Hello and welcome to Straight Talk, Supply Chain Insights, the podcast for your supply chain leader who is on the go and wants to be in the know. And now, your host, Laura Ciceri. Welcome to Straight Talk with Supply Chain Insights. My name is Laura Ciceri. I'm the founder of Supply Chain Insights. And through the pandemic, I'm interviewing people that are in the know for all the supply chain leaders that are trying to figure things out. Today I'm interviewing Karen Conway. Karen works for GHX. GHX is a supply chain operating network that is very focused in the healthcare industry for group buying. And Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laura. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, so you're the Vice President of Healthcare Value at GHX. Tell the group a little bit about yourself. Sure, absolutely. I have the pleasure of working with stakeholders across the entire healthcare supply chain. And I guess I would call myself an advocate or a cheerleader, if you will, for the role of the supply chain in its broadest sense to improve both clinical and financial outcomes for all involved. Obviously, that has to start with the with the patient, with the, the person we're trying to keep healthy, but it really also has to deliver value to all of those stakeholders, all of those parties, from end to end. And as I've learned from you, Laura, supply chain really can save the world. The other thing I've figured out is uh, as we've been going through this and I've been telling my children about what I do for a living and sharing some of my articles, they actually went, oh, I think I finally know what you do, mom. Yes, supply chain sort of made headline news. So what is your perspective on what we're learning from healthcare through this pandemic? What's your takeaway? Well, I think, you know, as we said, you know, it's supply chain is certainly getting a lot more attention. And I've always wanted folks to understand that the role of supply chain can play in improving healthcare delivery. This is not the way that I wanted it to happen. But I think we are seeing some very important lessons. And as the disease progresses, you know, certainly epicenter in New York, but as other communities across the country, and this would certainly be around the world, are, are in the path, they can learn. So we're really doing some very real-time learning. One of the things that we have to do and people are doing is focusing on the crisis at hand. The most important thing right now is to make sure that we can get those supplies that frontline healthcare workers need so they feel secure on the job and that they have the products that they need and the equipment to be able to take care of the patients who are in need. I'm seeing supply chain and clinicians working closer than I've ever seen before. They're coming together. They're looking for, hey, we realize that our traditional channels, our traditional sources aren't working. So how do we come together, get the kind of data, the evidence, so we can find alternative sources? Um, And that might be other suppliers, but we're also seeing people be very creative and say, you know, can I buy product from somebody who's already bought the product? Say a a school, a nursing school that has closed because of COVID-19, but they have uh, personal protective equipment or construction companies um, or even turning to manufacturers who can retool or using things like 3D printing. And then how can supply chain link up with those who are kind of modeling the progression of the disease to start thinking about what products are needed and how can we start 
identifying those resources where they are and getting them to where they're needed most. Perhaps the most exciting thing, Laura, is that I'm seeing competing hospitals working together. They're talking ahead of time saying, hey, this is where I'm getting product. This is how much product I have. So they've set up those networks that they might actually have to share resources among one another because we're really all in this together. Well, and Karen, you and I have talked a long time about, you know, we've got a network for efficient sickness that really competes against each other versus looking at network enablement on wellness. And first of all, let's just take a minute and let's have an empathetic uh, period to think about being on that front line. The demand for PPE, for masks, for ventilators is just not what anybody would have predicted. And we designed the supply chain that 90% of all that PPE is made in China, you know, and the boundaries and issues with getting that out of China and the ventilators and, you know, the readiness. I, you know, when we had the horrible issue in Puerto Rico with Hurricane Maria, I thought we would step back and redesign the supply chain so that we were more resilient. Uh, but I think resilience is an issue here. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you know, as, as I was um, getting ready for you to call, I had gone back um, uh, and read a 2016 blog from you where you talked so much about supply chain visibility. And I think what's going to happen is people will truly understand, you know, what are those root causes? Why is it that we've had to move so much of the production offshore? My hope is that hospitals, and I've talked to many uh, in the last couple of weeks who say, you know what, when we're out of this, I'm going to start prioritizing those suppliers who are really mapping their supply chain risks who are taking steps to mitigate those risks, who will share data with me when they see potential supply chain disruptions. So I think we'll have an opportunity and and hospitals will start measuring the performance of their supply chain far beyond just the acquisition of price of products, but looking at these kinds of strategic partners who are paying attention to these kinds of issues. Well, I'm wondering if we'll have some kind of, you know, public health monitoring and design of the supply chain. I mean, crisis management, by definition, needs to be a responsive supply chain that can go from very little demand to very large demand and a long supply chain with 90% sourcing of PPE in China just is not that. You know, by definition, we've set ourselves up for failure. And I'm wondering if, you know, there'll be some preparedness to look at, you know, the supply chain in time of crisis. Uh, your thoughts? Do you think, you know, uh, the I'm, nursing association you work with or some of the governmental agencies, do you think that will be taken on? I'm certainly hopeful. You know, in the, in the CARES Act, the uh, $2 trillion package um, passed by Congress and signed by the president does include some language about looking at the supply chain and doing some supply chain transformation. My hope, though, is that people who come to the table to work on that truly do understand how supply chains work and the, and the, and the wealth of data that can come out of that. And we really start looking at 
um, all of the different factors because it's never one thing. There's so many different things that that have to come to light. But it's gonna it's gonna take a concerted effort. Uh, the former Secretary of Health and Human Services, Mike Levitt, he said once, you know, anything you do in advance of a pandemic is considered alarmist. Anything you do during a pandemic is considered not enough. So we need to understand, and I think the key is really those relationships and those scenario planning and really thinking through different things that could happen. And let's establish those contingency plans and build those relationships and understand how resources come together, can come together when we have a situation like this, because unfortunately, we will. Yeah, and this isn't going to get fixed overnight. We're going to have a long tail. So Karen, GHX, tell us how you're trying to help because you're sitting on a lot of information, a lot of data, a lot of connections. What are you doing to help? So when 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 we first started seeing the signs, um, you know, and we were in close contact with, with in particular like hospitals in New York City, and when hospitals were starting to recognize that, hey, my traditional source um, where I get this product is not going to be able to fulfill my demand, we started putting together lists um, based on things that, um, you know, the World Health Organization has put together. These are the essential products you need in a scenario like this. And we started mapping out, we had data from the exchange. These are all the products that fit into these various categories. These are the various vendors. These are the various manufacturers. And we've continued to build those lists because, you know, at first it's PPE. Unfortunately, it still is PPE or personal protective equipment, and ventilators, but you start looking at other things like the more you're using ventilators, you're starting to use more of the consumables, like the HEPA filters that are used with the ventilators. They're starting to be in short supply. Or you, you see things like as people are starting to innovate and they're moving the equipment that monitors patients out into the hallway, and they're doing that so the nurse doesn't have to use personal protective equipment when he or she goes into the patient room, but now they need longer IV lines. And so we're looking at some of those other things. Perhaps most importantly though, hospitals are recognizing, hey, the traditional players in the healthcare supply chain can't, can't provide all my needs. So we're starting to see lots of other companies that we've never heard of that are saying, hey, I've got this product. Hey, I've got this product. Well, unfortunately, you get a lot of bad actors in situations like this. So we've also been partnering with the American Hospital Association to allow use. Um, we're using our vendor credentialing tools to be able to vet some of these suppliers, making sure they're not on sanction lists, doing credit checks, making sure they have the tax IDs and the business licenses and that they actually say who they are. Of course, we can, we're offering our transaction tools to support a much larger network and then also providing some of the clinical evidence that um, supply chain and clinicians can use to try to identify different kinds of products that can meet their needs. Well, and I appreciate that because there's certainly lots of bad actors out there trying to make hay on a bad situation. And you know, I'm glad to see that we're moving some of the PPE equipment out of China with 
commercial airlines, and I do think just like the swab for the test were a barrier because it was sourced in Italy, that we're going to find a lot of issues, just not ventilators, with filters and hoses. And, you know, I was listening this morning to just the lack of people that are respiratory therapists and understand how to run ventilators. So, you know, there's a whole supply chain involved that I think we're going to have a lot of lessons to be learned from. And I hope that they're smart ones. You know, while you and I were talking, I got a email about wouldn't I like to interview Puerto Rico uh, to talk about moving a lot of big pharma to Puerto Rico because it's safer uh, based upon what's happening in Chinese sourcing and pharma. And I just laughed because, you know, Hurricane Puerto Rico, you know, it's like we need a resilient supply chain, right? Puerto Rico was not an answer. And you know, because we've focused on efficiency and tax efficiency of pharma and medical device, we don't have a responsive supply chain, and I think there needs to be oversight for that. So I'm hoping that we bring some logic. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. You know, my hope is is that we are capturing, you know, these lessons learned, and then we come to the table with some very meaningful dialogue, you know, and you know, you have to understand that kind of that, that, that balance of when you have enough redundancy, but certainly we don't want to have too much redundancy. I think we have to, one of the things that will be interesting is we're going to be having discussions, because I've already heard these discussions, about resource utilization. People are starting to say, you know what, I think maybe we were wasting too much of our personal protective equipment. Maybe there are ways we can be more efficient. But it really is a matter of mapping all of these different things. And it's going to require a lot of experts from a lot of different perspectives to be looking at that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of innovation that could come out of this. Um, But we're in for tough times. And I just want to tell people that Karen Conway of GHX is a great resource one of the people that's my go-to when I want to better understand healthcare. And Karen, I'm hoping that you can help drive the flag and all the work that you're doing with the associations and with the hospitals to say design of the supply chain for resiliency is important. And there's a lot of capabilities around 3D printing and data analytics and redesigning the supply chain that needs to happen. And, you know, I'm glad you're out there for us. Well, thank you, Laura, and I have to say the same thing back to you, because as we think about the lessons learned, you know, I look at so much that you've written over the years, and I think we have to remember, let's go back and read some of the things that we've, we've discussed. We tend to forget sometimes, and there's, there's just some excellent work that you have done over the years in terms of issues on, on, on high-quality, high-functioning supply chains, so I appreciate that as well. Well, Karen, I welcome you back to the show when we get past this to talk about lessons learned and the redesign of the supply chain. But let's leave it for now until next time. Okay, very good. Thank you. Be well. Stay well. You too. All the best. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you. Thank you.